Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, Sean, are we live on this thing? Yeah, All right, good deal. Well, you're listening to We Do Recover. This is episode 58. We Do Recover with Jared Miller. That is the official title. <laughs> yes, sir. So that people can find it. Uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the stigma around addiction on episode 58, but before that, like we always do, we're going to do some checking in. So Doc Sellers, What's going on with you, buddy? Oh right. man, I got I got uh, my heart's beating about seventy five miles an hour, not seventy five <laughs> beats a minute, seventy five miles an hour, which is way slower than I was driving trying to get here. I ran into a problem coming down in maybe Enoch. I don't know where it was. You but ran there into was, a parking lot. I ran into a four mile parking lot on the freeway, <laughs> and I was on time. Everything was fine. My GPS said I got like an hour and twenty minutes to go, and I'm two hours away. And then all of a sudden, it says I got an hour and fifty minutes to go, and then I got two hours to go. He's texting me, dude. He's like, "Oh, I don't know what I'm going to have to do." So I've been driving like a madman, and it's made. Uh, I got some pretty high energy because I was trying to get here on time. He li- he came running in here, yeah, Sean. I'm, I'm super. I was oh, winded. You need to calm down. Just relax uh, a little bit. Just no, no, Get no. some Barry White music no, going. Yeah. Just have a little like, moment yeah. of zen there. Oh, just man. relax. <laughs> wow. The, the tones of Denovan. There you wow. go. Wow. I'm going to go to sleep <laughs> all of a sudden. Just sleep on the road. <laughs> it's nighttime. Sleep you can't put me to sleep yet. I am fired up. He is. He's wired fired up. up. Fired up. I got no new and good. I just got, I'm driving like a maniac and, oh, I hope my wife is not listening. Oh boy, let's get that. I have to go meet with the driver's license division this week. <laughs> Is that because your points are too high? I have a little bit too, a few too many points. Yeah, on too my many license. points. So are you going to have to take like a defensive driving course or something? Uh, I don't know. I have to meet with an investigator. Oh, yeah, I know. Hey, that's or a guy. Serious. I don't know what he is. He's a some dude. I don't know, but that sounds serious. I think he's going to try and find out if I uh, am on drugs. Number one. Probably. Like, I don't mind. That's fine. He can find, <laughs> he can try and find that out. I've had three accidents in the last three years. So, right. And it's actually two and a half, but, um, I'm sure that's a question that he'll ask. That's fine. I, I'm good with that. We should do some episodes around like recovering from a terrible driving record. Uh, I don't think I'm in you know, recovery like, yet. Like the steps. I'm not in recovery yet. We could come up with some steps <laughs> yeah, to I like get sponsor. your license. <laughs> I need a sponsor. I need a safe driving sponsor. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you do. I do. I'll have to get out to work some steps. Some kind of governor they can I have to admit that my, that my life is, uh, that I'm powerless and that my life has become unmanageable. <laughs> hey, you, yep, yep. I'm powerless over that gas pedal. There you go. And there is Sellers New and Good. Yeah, that's it. Sean Denovan. Talk to me, buddy. What's going on in your world? The bar's always real low. We know. Everything's good. Everything's great, but we want to make you a part of this. I painted my porch. Yay. There, hey, <laughs> he has something. Yeah. And I'm going to be building a pergola in the next seven days. What's a pergola, dude? It's like some four by fours. I used to smoke some cube. pergola. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but seriously, it's a okay, four by four. Sorry, it's, like, like, it's like a little porch yeah. tangy it's a, thing. It's, it's like, a, a, imagine a cube. like a, yeah. Like a like, yeah, so I got four pillars and then it's four a, posts. Yeah. And There's then another some, name for put that, Put some too. shade. Like, I don't know, like a like a hangover, like a gazebo type. Gazebo of, okay. is yeah. sort of another yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah gazebo's yeah. fancy. Pergola is pretty simple. Okay. So I'm going to build one of those and put those on my newly painted porch. Nice. Sweet. I love it. Hey, when you do that, let me know because I want to get like the measurements and stuff. I have these hammocks that I've wanted to put up in my backyard. And if I did a perg... No, no, no. You go over to Home Depot. They have the whole pergola set up. And one of the things you can get with it is a hammock that you put inside the pergola that connects to the four corners of the posts. Episode 58, sponsored by Home Depot. (laughs) That's actually not a sponsor. Actually, Dave, Dave, did you hear that? Mandy heard that. We're going to check it out. So I I appreciate that. but But the pergola parts, they actually sell like the metal parts. So all you have to buy is the four by fours. Mm. And like these little parts that you do, it's like, it's like Legos. Like, like, yeah. Like a Lego, you snap together. There's no complicated cutting. There's no edges. There's no corners. It's just, this goes here. This goes here. I got a pergola. That's my kind of, <laughs> bro, that's my kind of construction. No, man, that's Lazy how I man do it. construction. Let's uh, make sure we do that on a weekend. I'm down here. I'll come yeah. over. I'll come over and help. That'll be epic. No, I actually we'll like helping pictures. that doing yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll have to do I that. I hate that. So, hey, check it out. Help us out. If you guys are listening to this and you're listening live, today we're going to talk about the stigma around addiction slash mental health. And so what we'd like for you hey, to do- Hey, what's new and good? Oh, for me? Yeah. Let me let me just explain this real fast. I'm we just, would love for I'm, you guys- I'm so hyped up, I'm interrupting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jumping in. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. 
<laughs> you're like that squirrel on yeah, exactly. over the hedge. Yeah. Uh, so what we, we, what we would like for you guys to do is actually post how, how um, the stigma around addiction and mental health has affected you in your life. And then we're going to read some of those comments and maybe talk about some some different things. I purposely didn't prepare for this because I'm really hoping we get some interaction. Yeah, send so. us send us some comments how it's affected you or how you've seen it affect others or anything like that. Send some comments and let's get some discussion going. I think that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Me and you got some examples. We're we got talk some about. examples. So also, if you're listening to this, we would really genuinely appreciate if you have some friends and you just mention the podcast to your friends, yeah. right? Get them to go to the pages. We're on uh, podcast platforms. Every we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on the radio. You name it. We're, we're on, on it. All kinds of stuff. Stuff I can't even pronounce. Deezer right. and Dozer right. and Beezer and, and Bean Bozer. podcast. Craziness. Stuff. Sean's the best. I know. Sean's rad. So my new and good is, you know, I've, I man, a lot. Like, I'm not trying to be cheesy. A lot. A lot's new, a lot's new and good. Okay. Um, so. Let's just leave it week, at that. Just say a lot's new and good and don't <laughs> tell them anything at all. <laughs> so this week, I, uh, I've, I'm i redoing step nine. So I'm, okay. I'm making some amends. And Is there the a last, reason you're nine? Is it, are you doing them all again in order? Or is there like a particular reason you're doing nine? Yeah, no, great question. I started, I, I restarted again. Okay. So I came New up. New sponsor? At, uh, yeah, kind of, I'm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I was part of one fellowship the first time I did all my steps, okay. all 12. And now that I'm in a different fellowship, I'm redoing all the steps just to kind of learn the differences. And, you know, to me, this thing is like self-improvement. I think all 12 step programs are self-improvement. And so, yeah, I started over. So step nine, reaching out to people. And it's been so long since I did step nine that I, I like forget if I actually made an official amends with somebody. Right. And so I'm just re reaching out to people, which right. is kind of cool because it's anyways. So that's, a, that's one, right? I Open like step nine, reaching out to people. Love that. Yeah. It's going really well. Um, Good for you. Also earlier this week, I, I was able to go uh, to the gym with, with a buddy. Um, one of the, the, one of the owners of our sponsor episode 58 part one is sponsored by steps recovery centers where addiction ends and healing begins. And if you or a loved one need help, don't hesitate, reach out, give them a call. The number is 801 eight zero zero eight one four two love those guys steps recovery center so i got to work out with uh some dude yeah some dude you can name him by the name care. of ty hansen oh i like ty hansen so and that was really cool it was just you know the camaraderie yeah yeah it was really fun i've not played golf with ty hansen yet even though he keeps threatening let's but do it Ty, if you're listening hello let's let's schedule it bro 801-319-3432 no that's not steps recovery center that's my personal cell phone everybody <laughs> you are hyped call up, me bro you're call hyped me. up i'll be happy to talk to you i love it i love it let's let's do it man so um and then i today i go to honolulu grill you know i like that place man i'm I a chicken you're and gonna rice stop guy. right there and say i go to honolulu and i'm like whoa that isn't doing good <laughs> you just so, went to the grill so i go yeah i go to the grill taz is there standing in line taz decker our buddy what yeah yeah, he was there with with a couple other guys, and they invited me to come sit down and eat. So, yeah, a lot of I like Tess Decker. Also, my wife. My I like last, everybody today. My last new and good. Okay, is Mandy? You got a bunch. I know. I, know. I like to talk Mandy about my life. Mandy is always new and always good. But tell me what Absolutely. the new and good about Mandy is. So she tried out. Hi, Mandy. <laughs> she's right she's outside out in the waiting room. So she tried out for. Uh, I'm trying to get on her good side. The West Side. Is it the West Side Story? West Side Story. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. And she got one of the, she got a part. What? Yeah. She's going to be dancing Is and she singing. she a jet or a shark? She's a jet. She's a jet. How did you know this? Uh, listen, I, I, I'm alive. <laughs> got a little culture in me. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, West Side Story. Yeah, absolutely. She's going to be snapping her fingers and dancing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So I'm I'm super proud of her. Like, that's just, yeah, she's awesome. She'll be awesome. A lot of new and good. Let man. me know when it is because we're coming. Oh, my wife sure. and I are coming for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's where is it going to be? Uh, uh oh, TB, the, the, TBA, not, TBA, not Tucson, but uh, someplace. No, you know, Mandy. Where is it? Stand up and mouth this to me. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. Okay, good, sorry. Good news. It's going to be at a playhouse here in St. George somewhere. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it'd be fantastic. St. George Playhouse. I just made up a name. I'm in love with that lady. I don't know if you knew. Should that. Should be. Yeah, she's You're married awesome. to her. She's pretty awesome. Okay, so the stigma around addiction. Oh, are we going to talk about that? We're about out of time. Everyone, thank you very much. <laughs> 
We do recover our part two is sponsored by. <laughs> well, we still got some time in this. Oh, we got a lot of time. So this came up. I've talked about the stigma. I've gone on other podcasts. And oh. I think that this really, a couple weeks ago, I got a DM. Somebody direct messaged me. Okay. And I think I've really thought about this, right? And okay. I, I can trace it back to a certain podcast I went on. And literally the topic was the same topic. So it wasn't this podcast per no. se. It was based on, on you being on a guest on another podcast. Yes. Okay. It was the other side of addiction podcast. I'll okay. give you a shout out. I love right. it. No, beautiful. Yeah. Al's a good dude. There's plenty of podcasts about addiction. So, so we talked about and, the stigma. And most addiction. of them are really quite good, frankly. Yeah. And then, and so then I get uh, a DM from a lady and she's hot, man. like super upset. In other words, she's heated. Right. And, and she's coming at me saying, Hey, by basically here was the gist of it. By you calling addiction a disease, you're waiving uh, the responsibility of the addict's poor choices and poor behaviors. You're excusing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're which letting is them not, off the hook. Yeah, which is so not true, man. Right. So not true. And she kind of went on to say, like, I there's been this other guy who's who was on and. And he says it's not a disease and he has more followers than you and he knows more than you. And I'm like, wow. Whoa. So first of all, she's talking about Todd. Sylvester. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I already know. Right. He's the only guy that says it's not a disease. And, and this is no knock on Todd. Todd right. is innocent in this right, whole right. thing. Right? Todd, listen, Todd's probably a better speaker than, for sure he's a better speaker than I am. Yeah. I wasn't going to say you, but. And, yeah. And again. Todd, Todd's a. a, 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 a Likeable, very likable guy. Right. And this isn't to knock on him. This right. lady, this is strictly from this individual, this person. Right. So, um, so that was interesting, man. If I did a podcast with, uh, with strippers on it, Todd would still be more popular than my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right. 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 So, but the thing that got me thinking is I had some feelings. I had some feelings around this. Obviously I didn't reply. I don't, I, people don't get reactions, right? Like Good I'm not going to react Good for, for sure. I might. <laughs> you know me. We'll get to yours. Yeah, and, you know me. We'll get to your. So, so, but then I, I got thinking, right? And after I kind of let my feelings subside for a sec, use the stop skill. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. That's a DBT. Like it. That is yeah, a DBT. Stop thing. skill. Look at you go. I know. I'm a clinical guy. What you're, can I say? You're so close to being a full fledged therapist. It's not even oh, funny. Oh, boy. So, so um, I felt bad for her because some of the stuff she wrote was that she experienced some abuse mm -hmm. and that's what she was really upset about. Mm -hmm. And hurt people hurt people. And so really the empathy part came out and, and I kind of felt bad because she's, she's experienced this thing firsthand. She doesn't really understand it. And look, I love you, Todd, but it's not helpful when you call this thing, not a disease, right? Because for people like me that are making amends on step nine, if I'm reaching out to people and they truly don't understand it and they have people that are coming up with basically statements saying it's not then we'll, then I'm just left with, I'm a terrible human being. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of shame around that. Mm -hmm. And that's super heavy. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, that's, that kind of stuff is, isn't helpful. I don't know. What are your thoughts on well, it? Well, so you told me about this, this message that you got, you told me about this either last week or the week before. I can't remember which, and I've kind of been thinking about it a little bit. And my, my initial reaction was I kind of got angry about it as well. Like, yeah, listen, uh, I'm a, I'm a very huge proponent of this thing is a disease and that's based on some medical facts, which are absolute facts. You can't really prove what, it, what a disease is and what isn't, but I, I'm for sure a strong proponent of that. That's not an excuse for anybody to continue the behavior or an excuse for anything that people do. It's just not an excuse for that. It just fits the medical facts. We don't call it a disease to let people off the hook. We call it a disease because then once you know exactly what it is you're doing, you can figure out how to react to that. And a reaction to a disease is called treatment. As well and, said. And so I, I, it for sure fits all the qualifications of a disease to me. We don't call, that doesn't mean that people with that disease aren't responsible to treat themselves for that disease every single day. Much yep. like, and I, you know me, I use the diabetes thing, much like a diabetic, a diabetic if he doesn't eat well and exercise and watch his blood sugars and take his insulin or her insulin, I apologize, um, then that diabetic has all the effects of the disease. But if that diabetic is really careful about that stuff, they can look exactly like you and me as far as their blood sugars go. 
Yeah. They, they're exactly the same if they do all those things, but they have to do them every single day. Well, that's the disease I got. Yeah, I got to sure. do it every single day. Yeah. And so the other reaction I had when you told me about this direct message, though, was the as soon as I started thinking about it, I thought, you know, this lady that DM'd you probably has some anger and she probably, and I don't know anything about the lady, probably has some anger and she probably has some anger because of some things that someone that was hooked on substances did that affected her life or her family. Absolutely. And yeah. so people that have that in their background have a right to be angry. It, and so when we, when we say things that feel like they're letting addicts off the hook, people with substance abuse disorder off the hook, then the anger comes out. Yeah, and, for sure. And that lady was angry. And first of all, if you don't believe that this thing is a disease, if you go to YouTube, Kevin McCauley, Pleasure Unwoven, he has a lot of little videos that talk ab about it, right? Like he's got the, the choice argument. He's got several videos on there that really explain what makes it a disease. Right. For it to be a disease, there has to be an organ. Yep. Right? Right. What's the organ in in, in this In this particular disease, the general public would say the organ is the brain. I would say it's the midbrain. Okay. Tell it, us a little bit a, more about a that. It's a part of the brain, but it's, yeah, it's the brain. So the midbrain is um, responsible for keeping us alive. Everything we do that allows us to keep living happens in our midbrain. Midbrain's all unconscious. We don't know what's going on in there. And that's a huge so piece. Midbrain right now is telling me my heart to beat, even though I'm not thinking about it. It's telling me to breathe when I need to breathe. It, uh, it's, it's primal. Got a lot of things that keeps me alive. My midbrain's the same as a rat's midbrain. Same as everyone, every human living, every living thing's midbrain is the same as mine, essentially. So what does that midbrain do? Keeps me alive. Okay. In, in a substance abuse person, somebody that has substance but abuse. There's another part of the, there's another, that's not the only thing it does. That's one of the major things it does. It is also responsible for pleasure and reward. Okay. So anytime we do something that uh, we should, that our brain, that our drive, that our, wants us to repeat, mm -hmm. we get a reward. Intimacy. We Food. get a reward. We get a reward, right? Our, our brain wants us to eat so that we don't die. Right. Our brain wants us to reproduce so that our species doesn't die. Our brain wants us to uh, drink water so that we don't die. It wants us to run away from a fire so we don't die. Breathe. All so we of don't those die. things. So when we do those things, particularly when you do things that are pleasurable and that are good for our existence, we get a reward. And the reward is a chemical called dopamine. And dopamine is released from the midbrain every time you do something pleasurable. So for me, if I play golf and I love it, it's because... Dopamine is released in my midbrain. It's a feel good. It's a feel good chemical. Feel good chemical. And everything you do in your life that feels good happens because dopamine is released from your midbrain when you are doing it. Okay. So talk to me about what happens in a disease brain with addiction. Okay. So, um, well, let me tell you what happens in every brain with addiction, without addiction, with substances that are addictive. Okay. Uh, they release massive, massive, massive amounts of dopamine from your midbrain. Uh, crystal methamphetamine releases about, uh, so I saw a study once that they were doing this, uh, they were doing this in uh, mice and rats actually. And they would, they would, they had little catheters where they could draw blood directly out of the brain and measure dopamine levels in the brain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they measured dopamine levels when rats were having sex and they compared that to dopamine levels of rats that were that were just just smoked methamphetamine yeah to get a rat to smoke you put them in a little wire cage and you blow smoke at them so what they breathe in they sure. what's coming at them they have to breathe in right and so what they found was crystal methamphetamine releases about 900 times more dopamine than sex 900 so right yeah crazy 900 Crazy. Think about that. So, uh, and I don't want to get crazy about the whole sex thing, but sex is a universally pleasurable activity, one which almost all human beings enjoy. There might be a few that don't, but they've had really, some really horrifying sexual trauma. Almost everyone on the planet that's a human enjoys sex. Yeah, I could agree with that. Now they enjoy 900 times more, more dopamine than sex. Which ultimately hijacks the frontal cortex. Our brain was never built to, to have that much dopamine released from our midbrain. We're not built to handle that kind of thing. Of course, of course, and you can just think about it logically, but it's not really logic. But logically, of course, if you find an activity that's 900 times more pleasurable than sex, you are going to want to repeat that activity, right? Absolutely. 
Hey, I just had sex. Hey, guess what? I just had it 900 times. I got a bigger smile on my face than you do. <laughs> right? And I, again, I, I don't really mean to make too much fun of the whole sex thing, but our brains, that, that hijacks our brain. That We become overwhelmed with that substance, which goes back to the original stuff, which never really worked, but goes back to the old Nancy Reagan, just say no, and the old, um, shoot, it's a it's a... It's a tenant kind of of the predominant religion around here. Don't don't do drugs once. Don't do it once. If only is that easy. And there's a reason for that because yeah. once gives you 900 and you'll never get that feeling again. Yeah. If you don't use again, but you'll always want it. Our brains just can't handle that. So so they're they're in. So that's a disease. Yeah, and anybody who has a brain is potentially right could now. Now, the other point is there's a genetic component to it, too, because 900 is an average. For some people, it's not 900. Right. Uh, I told uh, everybody, I think everybody that's listening to this podcast at all knows that at one point in my life, I was addicted to morphine. I found morphine to be much more pleasurable to me than other things that I had tried. I didn't try a ton of things. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was a giant experimenter in high school. I wasn't. You didn't have a poly But I, I tried a few things, for sure. Morphine was by far the best. Yeah. People gravitate to certain drugs because they release the most dopamine in their brain. Not every brain is exactly the same. And there's a genetic component to, there are a lot of people that take Lortab and throw up. Right. Not a lot of dopamine release when that happens. That was not my experience with Lortab. I'm not going to get addicted to something that makes me throw up every time I do it. Right. Because that's pleasurable. not pleasurable. Right? Right. right. So there's a genetic component to this addiction where if you... If you are genetically predisposed to really have a giant rush of dopamine from a certain substance, you're more likely to get addicted to that. That's the genetic component of the disease. And that's 40 to 60%. Some people don't have that genetic component and may never get addicted. Right. They may try something and hate it. Right. Or not even, or not hate it even, but not really like it like I did. And people who so that's drink a, a couple beers in high school right. or smoke a little pot in college, right. they can't come out and say, well, I did it with just free will. Right. Because were you really ever an addict in the first yeah. place? Let's, let's did really define. Did your brain get to the point where it was hijacked? Right. Did, exactly. Exactly. Did your brain start to associate that substance with right. life or death? Right. And because and, that's their true measure, right? Right. So for people that you know, use recreationally. Look, I'm not saying anyone's better than the other or trying to put anybody over anybody else, but yeah, that that's a tough one for me to swallow. So back to, so back to the DM. Okay. So, so here's my other thing from that too, is people can be abusive without being addicted, right? Like you, that can be somebody's trait that they learned growing oh, no up. No question. Like that behavior doesn't, correlation does not equal causation. No question. And there is a lot of people who use drugs who are not addicts. But that's what that's how we're getting to the stigma, right? Like that's a big part of the stigma is people think people associate drug users with somebody who's gonna rob you. Right. Somebody who's gonna no question. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, there are some of those behaviors that do correlate. No question. The behaviors are there. Right. Right. So thanks for explaining the brain thing, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, that's awesome. So here's my DM, right? I was, uh, I'm going to get to this before the break cause we're almost out of time, but, uh, do you think you have time? Yeah, I do. Cause that's not a long thing. Um, so I, I was on Facebook this week and, uh, I use Facebook to argue with people about <laughs> medical stuff, uh, which apparently wasn't the original purpose of Facebook, but whatever. Uh, so anyway, I'm on Facebook and I'm on this thing about vaccines and you know, I'm a pro vaccine guy. I'm a, I'm a medical physician and I, I, there's a lot of different points of view out there for sure. Most physicians like the vaccine. Not everyone. There's a lot of, there's physicians that don't like it. But anyway, I'm on there and I'm arguing and some guy decides to attack me. And so he says, shut up, you junkie POS. And that's exactly what he said. Mm. So he apparently looked something up about me. Once upon a time in 2001, I had six felony counts of uttering a false (laughs) prescription. And he must have found that and decides he's going to throw you junky POS at me. Now, I've been clean for 19 years. Right. Um, that's the stigma right there. Absolutely. Like that, uh, something I did 21 years ago. Somebody still throwing that in your face. now still defines me. Yeah. So you know nothing because you had an addiction in right, this person's right, mind. Right. I'm a doctor talking about vaccines and this guy's a plumber, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not demeaning plumbers, but we're not talking about plumbing. 
Right, right. Right? I mean, I have some expertise in this. So anyway, that's just, that's what, that's part of the stigma. It's thrown at you. Absolutely. Listen, we're about out of time in this segment, but. I just want to say before we finish up though, to the individual who reached out, I love you anyways. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, I'm always open to feedback. And you're wrong. So join us in part two of episode 58, talking about the stigma around addiction. We're going to get into how did we get here? Where did the stigma start? And probably just some more nonsense from me and Dr. Terry Sellers. So we'll see you guys after this break. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back, everybody. I didn't know if I was going to do the welcome back or not, but apparently I am. Welcome back. This is uh, We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Uh, This is episode number 58. Part two and episode 58 is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Hilton Garden Inn, but I love it. If you're driving through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn. They have amazing amenities. They have amazing staff. The rooms are lovely and it's pretty spacious, frankly. Clean and the pool. I always mention the pool because the pool is really pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that, but uh, they're just really good to us, and and I love staying there. And I'm, I'm so glad they're a sponsor of ours because they they do a really nice job, particularly for me because I drive here from out of town. But, yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys. Russ is the best man. Yeah. He's rad. Yep. Chris is cool. Yeah, yeah. those. There's good, a there's a dudes. guy that works at night that I can't think of his name. Dang it. Huh. I got to get better at remembering people's names. Like I'm going to do that at age 62. Um, <laughs> probably not going to happen. Fair enough. That guy's so nice. He's so good to me and he's just, he's always so friendly and it's, I love it. So, so give the Hilton Garden Inn a, a shot at your business. They, they love taking care of people. Absolutely. And today on episode 58, we're talking about the stigma around addiction and mental health. And one of our newest sponsors, Recovery Strong is all about, uh, let's see, let me roll my mug here. This sweet little mug. Fighting addiction and strengthening recovery. They want to have the conversation, have those difficult conversations. Wear your recovery out loud. Go to recoverystrong.com. Click on the product section. Right now, they're running a seasonal promotion. Uh, We Recover 25 will save you 25% off your entire card at checkout. We have an exclusive promotion through this podcast. Everything. 25% off of everything. How do they do that? Uh, You put in the promotion code at checkout. What's the promotion code? We recover 25. Oh, I thought last week it was hoodie 25 or two weeks ago. Yep. Yep. They're changing it up. So, but the promotion that will never end for our podcast is we do recover recover. 15, which saves you 15% off of everything at checkout as well. Everything. Yep. They got good gear, man. Listen, this is actually, uh, this is a little bit about breaking the stigma, right? For Uh, sure. People that are willing to wear shirts that say, hey, basically I'm in recovery, willing to wear gear, willing to stand up and say, hey, I'm in recovery. That helps break the stigma of addiction for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and their stuff is high quality. Like, I love it. The hoodie that I was wearing last week, super comfy, super cozy. I meant to wear mine, but I just barely drove into town and uh, thought I was going to have time to change. And this, yeah, these shirts, so I got on one of their t-shirts, Recovery Strong, and on the back it says, Fighting Addiction, Strengthening Recovery. And you're right, it is part of breaking the stigma. Because I've had people come up to me and have conversations like, hey man, like your shirt. yeah, Or hey, what's that about? It it shows you're not embarrassed to uh, be part of the, the solution which you shouldn't be embarrassed to be part of the solution, but it shows you're not embarrassed about the issues that you've had in the, in the, a past life in a, in a, you know, previous, not lifetime per se, but you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. We're not embarrassed. And Hey, there's this the- guy calls me something on a, on a Facebook page. 
<laughs> great. Yeah. You don't bugging me. That was 20 years ago. Right. Right, right. I have tried to live the solution every day for 20 years now. Thank you, sir, for reminding me of the yeah. challenges I've overcome uh, in my life. Exactly. You're pointing out a strength <laughs> and not a weakness to me. Do you think if do you think if it was cancer, somebody'd say, right. you, you cancerous yeah, you, SOB? You diabetic <laughs> POS? You high blood sugared son of a gun. Oh, we, right. love, you. we right. love you anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Th and that's a point. So let's get. Let's well, and we get to practice in recovery. We get to practice patience and tolerance. For sure. And that's one of the first things. For sure. We're going to, we're going to call. Maybe not my strong suit. We're going to call part patience. one, the rant, because we're just ranting about our Well, Facebook part two is going to be a bigger rant. I promise. <laughs> so let's get into some of some, some factual stuff around the stigma. Let's go how we got here. Yeah. Tell us uh, how this whole thing got started. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, okay. okay if you can picture back then colonial type I, stuff. I can is picture that it. I was alive. Sean, you're a fat guy. Is that huh. like colonial age type stuff? I'm, I was okay. alive. I can picture Were it. Were you? Yeah, <laughs> you for sure. 1883, I was I alive. I forget. You went to school with Fred. Fred. Fred yeah. Flintstone. Yeah, we yeah, got the sure. big rack of ribs and set it on the side of our car and it yeah, tipped over. Yeah, buddy. Dino. So in between, uh, it was late 1800s, early 1900s, um, basically 1864 to 1919, uh, there was a, a movement in the United States called the Temperance, the temperance Movement. movement. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Clergy, for good reason, because of public intoxication and some other things that are around alcohol use came out and basically said, look, if you can't control your drinking, if you drink to the point of intoxication, you are a immoral person. Bad moral person. You are not hitting the standard of a quote unquote socially moral person. Yeah. You're a sinner. But we've all played telephone, right? I tell you something, yeah, you tell sure. Sean something, sure. Sean gets tells back Mandy to you something. and it's a purple dinosaur about <laughs> right, to right, jump off right. The cliff. right. So so that's basically what it turned into and it just kind of started it really started the stigma. Uh, and then if we fast forward to 1976, okay. we got President Nixon in office. Sure. Right? Richard Milhouse Nixon. You got it. Yeah. And this guy comes up with the perfect solution. Yeah. We'll just announce declare a, war. a war on drugs. Let's declare war. Which, by the way, we were doing at the time. Yeah. We had a real war. It was in Vietnam, but. Sure. Sure. Then we also declared war on drugs. So now, if I'm in the 1970s, 1980s, not only am I an immoral person, now I'm a criminal. How and Pete and the country wants to wage war. So the war on drugs really f quickly became a war on drug addicts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, well, it how turned do you trace into it a back? war on you drugs. You catch addicts. the user what's the, and then the seller the, and then the supplier and up the chain. Right. What's the outcome of the war on drugs? It failed epically. Well, okay, but what I really mean is, uh, yeah, it did. <laughs> That's absolutely true. What I really mean is, what is the visible outcome? What happened? A lot of people got thrown in jail. We our got, jails we got, got full. Prisons, our institutions. We got prisons stacked with drug addicts. Which, so there's the war. We took prisoners in the war on drugs. And absolutely. We, and we put them in because they're prisoners. Which fueled in prison. the stigma. Because if I'm living in the 19, late 70s, early 80s, 1990s, man, I'm an immoral person and I'm a criminal. I am definitely not going to go to a treatment center. Now you're not a person with a substance use disorder. You're a criminal. Right. And... You're ter a terrible moral human being. Yeah. And so- Of with, course you belong with, in prison. With those titles, and, and here's the point I really want to get to, because here's the point that's important to me. If I'm in that time period, am I going to search out treatment? No, because you're a criminal. And an immoral person. You don't right. want anybody to know. You don't want anybody to <laughs> right. know you've got the disease because you're a bad human being automatically. Right. And thank goodness in the 1990s, like 1996, I believe it was President- uh, Oh, Bush, Clinton, Clinton, you're, thank you, Sean. See why Sean's great. Yeah. So Clinton comes out with, with basically HIPAA, right? Which, which is 42 CRF HIPAA. It's all about confidentiality. Right. So if, if you are a person who's struggling, you can go to a place to get help without worrying about having some attachment, you know what I mean? People finding out the, the stigma truly right. affecting you. Right. Can I bring you back? Because there's a piece that that you know about, and I don't think you intentionally skipped, but directly relates to my profession, and that is back around the temperance movement. Mm -hmm. Doctors basically felt like everybody else did. We're all we're we're all humans. We see these guys lying in gutters. We see these guys with needles laying next to them in streets. Uh, yeah. We see them stumbling out of bars. We see them, I don't want to treat that guy. 
Right. Doctors shirked the responsibility. And once doctors did that, and this is a, this is on the medical profession as a whole. Once we started doing that, because let's be honest, people with addiction issues sometimes are very difficult to treat. Oh, extremely. And pretty easy to judge. And I've had this happen in my own life. I for sure, before I became addicted, and even while I was addicted, I would have people call my office and say, it's the funniest thing because people would call and say, you know, my dog ate my pain pills, <laughs> right? Dogs never ate thyroid medication. Dogs never. don't eat thyroid medication. They don't eat birth control pills. They <laughs> only eat pain pills. Right. Nobody ever flushes their thyroid medication down the toilet. Only Weird. pain pills accidentally get flushed down the toilet. Weird. But they would call my office and say this, and I don't want to deal with them. Right, I don't want right. to, I know you're a drug addict. I don't want to deal with you. I'm guilty of that same thing myself. But doctors did that early on in the, in, in our country's history and sort of shirked that responsibility. When we did, it fell to the legal system to deal with addicts. Right. And that just fed into this whole thing of drug addicts are an enemy of the state. They're prisoners of war. They're, we need to lock them up because they're bad moral people. Doctors didn't had the chance to step up and make a change and make that different. And they didn't do it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a blight on my profession for sure. In fact, weren't you saying that in the ER, they, they actually have like a term oh. that they use. Gomer. Because listen, I, I, so I've actually taken quite a few people to the ER. Right. And did you know, even the access center here in, in St. George, if you take somebody in there and they have a mental health crisis, they're threatening suicide, they won't take them if they're under the influence. Oh my gosh. That's crazy, right? That doesn't make any sense at all. Ex that's Thank you. Wow. So I've taken people there and they basically refuse no, to treat. Drunk. Right. Oh my gosh. They refuse to treat. Oh my gosh. And what is what, go, Gomer? Gomer. What did Gomer stand for? Get out of my ER. <laughs> it stands for get out of my ER. And it was applied a lot to, well, it was applied to difficult patients in general, but frequent flyers and particularly, we call them frequent flyers. Again, I'm going to let you in on all the crappy lingo we have as physicians because <laughs> behind the scenes, we have to somehow figure out a way to stay sane. And sometimes it's cruel, but... Um, but uh, get out of my ER applied mostly to people that were repeat offenders who would come in drunk or high and needing treatment. Yeah. And yeah. We, we didn't treat them. We, got, we wanted them out of the ER. Get out. out of my ER. Get out. The ER really isn't the place to treat addiction, but it's a place where people access treatment. Sure. Like people access treatment for all kinds of diseases. If we're going to say this is a disease, that's the first point of access for many people is the ER. Yeah. Why not get them to do a detox? And if our first reaction is, oh, I don't want to treat you. You're right. a scumbag and a drug addict. You're a loser. You're immoral. Yep. Why, why, why would someone want to go back to the ER after, after being judged like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's part of the, that's a big part of how we've gotten to, to this stigma. And, and really it, it does. It affects us today, you sure. know? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So you never hear of somebody, if somebody gets sick, like I know my mom didn't get a casserole in like a pan of brownies when my neighbors found out that I oh, yeah. had not Neighbors didn't bring meals over? No. Oh. I mean, I, I was sick. Sorry to hear your son's sick. I was super sick, but nobody came. Nobody, nobody you know what I mean? Nobody brought in meals. Well, in fact, they stayed away. <laughs> right. They right. intentionally stayed away. So you get the idea. Because we don't want to talk about it. You get the idea. We're harping on this thing. I think that the stigma is ab absolutely ridiculous. People are, they're not, they're not immoral. They are not uh, criminals. They're sick people, sick people. Oftentimes I've looked back on my own experience and, and when I've asked like, why, why me? Today I, I can genuinely say that I have more empathy to be able to help those people. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, maybe that's has something to do with it. But. Well, people who struggle with substance abuse, if you really look at um, what happens when treatment is successful, people who struggle with substance abuse can be among the best people on the planet because if you're really working a solid program of recovery, you're going to get up every day and you're going to think about other people. Now, there's a bunch of other things you do as well. But one of the things is, one of the things that hopefully we do in a program of recovery is we get up every day and we think, how can I help someone else's life be better? Yeah. Somebody was there and helped me when I was really struggling. Like I thought I was fine. 
clearly. The state didn't agree with me, <laughs> right. right? The state thought I had six felonies for uttering a false prescription, which that prescription was not false. It was true. And I didn't utter. I spoke quite clearly. <laughs> I still got six felonies for some reason. Right. But anyway, uh, I, I didn't even realize how sick I was. And then, uh, obviously, through treatment, I go back and look at all the things that happened in my life. And, man, I was really sick. Absolutely. And to play really sick. And somebody stepped up and helped me. Yeah. I get, to, I get to return that favor every day because of the job that I do. But also because of the program that I'm working. People that aren't in this industry that are still, that are in recovery, wake up and get to think about other people every day. Man, that's some of the best people on the planet. Absolutely. And that's a big part of recovery is overcoming that self-centeredness, right? Yep. Yep. So if we play devil's advocate here for a minute, okay. because look, there are bad behaviors are, that are associated that correlate with addiction. And so I don't want to neglect that. I don't sure. want this to be a one-sided episode of the podcast. Sure. So absolutely. There are some things that walk hand in hand, right? We're manipulative for sure. When we're in our active addiction, there are uh, a number of things like public intoxication, domestic violence, um, some of those things. But here's, here's a study that I actually, um, heard, I heard Ty talk in one of his groups about. So in 1976, they did a Ty study. Ampy? No, Ty Hansen. Uh, what did I say, Ty Empey? I didn't even mean Ty Empey. I meant Ty Hansen. I said yeah, Ty Empey. Yeah. Ty Hansen? Ty Empey's good From too. Steps Recovery Center? Yeah. I know One of our sponsors? Shocked. I know you're shocked. No, no, no. I'm just yeah. giving him a so second sat, plug. He, he came down. He came yeah. down and I sat in one of his groups. And he talks about this study where in 1976, they did a study to to basically measure people's um, consciousness, awareness. How aware are they of things going on around them? And the re end result was basically 70 to 80% they were aware of their surroundings, their situations, things that were happening in their environment. Okay. So 70 to 80% in, in 1976, in 2000, that study was replicated. What do you think the, the percentage is in, in 2000 of how aware we are of our surroundings? What was it in 76? Again? 70 to 80%. Okay. So 35%. Oh no, 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 no. We dropped 10%. Okay. I got so, crazy. So <laughs> you're a little, you're a little amped up today. It's crazy. okay. Yeah. So we're, we're between in, in 2000, when this study was redone between 60 and 70%, okay. well, what was introduced back then? What does everybody have now? Uh, that thing that, that I can't keep from looking at cell phones. Yeah. Right. So cell phones are a big distraction of our environment oh, and sure. our surroundings for sure. So naturally 10%, I bet it's even way, I bet it's I'll even bet it's lower way now, now for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Cause, Cause look at our producer. Right. He's on his cell on phone. His cell phone. So, it's a miracle I'm not on mine. <laughs> it's an absolute miracle. That thing releases a lot of dopamine. The, the only, it does. Ba so back to the study. Let's, let's, let Sorry. me get through this piece. You're okay. Yeah. You're okay. So in the study that they did, uh, Stanford actually, Stanford does some pretty cool studies. Yeah. So they took uh, a group of people that had different substances that were abusing different substances, right? Okay. And they monitored them over a 10 day period. So they let them use their substance as much as they wanted or whatever, obviously without overdosing, but they gave them access or allowed them to have access to their substances for 10 days. And then they redid the study to basically how aware are they of their surroundings? Heroin. How aware is somebody who's been under the influence of heroin for 10 days? Do you think they are? Uh, of their actions, I, their environment. I don't want to have to guess. 5%. Well, I would have actually guessed not as low as that, so that's good. Okay. I was so worried that I way underguessed. So time, people so. who were on heroin for 5%. ten days, they were they the their awareness of what was going on around them, 5%. their decisions, the things that they were choosing to do, five percent. Five percent as high as it used to be. Yeah. They're, no, no, no. Five percent so, as high as it used to be. Yeah. Five. It's it's only five percent of what it used to be. Right. It's only five percent. Five percent right. as high their, as it used to be. Their consciousness and awareness is only five percent. Marijuana. Okay, but wait, I'm just going to point out something, and I know you want to get through this, but. Okay. Some of those people are driving. Some of those people are taking care of their families. Some of those people are at work. Right, which leads to their poor five, behaviors. They're only 5% as aware of right. their surroundings as they once were. And so then we understand. And they're working and taking care of families and driving and operating heavy equipment and all this other stuff. Okay. Right, right, which feeds into the stigma for good reason because right. their behaviors are terrible because they're only 5% aware of what the heck is going on around them. Right. So marijuana. I'll go with uh, four, 30%. Negative what Negative 5%. So they were so disassociated, they had 
basically no clue what was going on around them. And frankly, might have had some things, thought some things were going on around them that weren't. That weren't. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So some paranoia, well, some different side effects. probably how you get negative 5%. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Methamphetamine, negative 3. Whoa. Yeah. Which again, some of that could be the paranoia. Right. They think stuff's going on. Right. The guys uh, that are up in the trees that are right. watching right. you. Or, you know, for three days, they're, it, we don't got to, yeah, it's, right. it's a mess. Alcohol, 5%. Okay. So that just goes to show Surprise. the reason why I was, I was blown away by this is because it really just paints a picture that we're, yes, we have terrible behaviors when we're, when we're under the influence. I get why there's a stigma. Right. I get why people view us as, as not the best. Right. But also you have to understand, and again, back to part one, it is a disease, right? We are not truly fully aware of what we're doing, what's going on around us, things that are happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it took, here's the good news. I got some hope for everybody. Okay. They basically got those people off of those substances. Yes. Treatment. Treatment. Okay. Somebody who had experienced 190 days of abstinence from those substances, those same individuals. Weird number, but okay. 190 days. So, you know, it's 100 days for the brain to start to rewire itself. So anyways, they remeasured it and it took 190. Here's how the number comes to be. It took 190 days for their level of awareness to return to that baseline of 60 to 70%. Okay. Right. So okay. that's why we got now that one Now I know why it's a weird number. Yeah. Okay. I thought they just randomly picked a number. Right. So that, that just kind of goes to show, of course, of course, our behaviors are terrible. Of course we make terrible decisions. We're really, truly not. And again, I'm not. So wait, 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 wait. Let's look at this for a second. Okay. You're saying that a guy used substances for some period of time. In this study, 10 days. 10 days. And it took his brain 190 days to get back to his baseline. So they were addicts before they did. It's 190 the, days. Bef- that's 190 days of no use, and yet his brain is still his awareness. Forget his brain. His awareness is still not back to baseline. No, it is. After 190 days, his brain no, hits. Before the 190 days, though. Right. Up to it took 190 days for his brain to get back to baseline awareness. Yes. So now, rational. That guy hasn't been using for 183 days, and his brain is still affected. And you're saying that's not a disease? Right. Yes. You're saying that's crazy. The, the brain has changed and it hasn't been able to come back to baseline yet. And you're saying that's a choice. Right. And you're telling me that you have the audacity to say that right. there isn't a disease at right. play. For that sure. guy has changes in his brain that took 190 days to, to get back to for normal the, after only 10 days of use. Right. For 190 days for that neuroplasticity to, to return. That's and, a disease. And again, folks, a lot of what they're monitoring with awareness and consciousness is decision making, rational choices. Sure you know, stuff going on around you. I I wish I knew the criteria of how they measured it, but I know that like logical decision-making and things like that were definitely at play. Yeah. So, so that explains it. And it's not to typically with studies like that. And I don't know the study, so I don't know of it, but what they'll do is they'll have people in a booth and they'll flash pictures and they'll, and then they'll have them recall or they'll have them describe or they'll have them you know, right. kind of get their, what they were aware of and, right. and people with lowered awareness will miss stuff in pictures and miss stuff in that's, that's the sort of way they measure those things. I don't know if that's what it was, but yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of the, the stigma around addiction, some interesting stuff for you guys to talk about in the last three minutes here. I, yeah. What do you got? I got, I got one thing Okay. really briefly and, um, and then we want to close with some stigma, but I was watching a Ted talk on the way down here of a guy who, um, at age 17, just wanted to smoke pot one time, mm. smoke pot one time, 18 years later, after, you know, 12 years of prison and all of this stuff, mm. he has turned his life around and he, um, uh, he was a BMX bike, ra- bike racer and was kind of a pretty good one and wanted to go to the Olympics and all this stuff. He set all these goals in prison. Anyway, he accomplished a lot of them, but he said, if someone could have showed me exactly what the outcome of that one time of smoking pot would have been, I would have never smoked pot. Right. My choice at that time wasn't to become an addict. My choice was to smoke pot one time because my friends were doing it and I wanted to know what they were feeling because they looked like they were having fun. For some people, that one time leads to a lifetime of pain and suffering. Now this guy can't get a job, right? Because he's a felon. Mm-hmm. He's an ex-con. He can't get an apartment. He can't. Now this guy turned out fine, but um, but because of a simple 
one time in high school. Now that's not that might be a choice. That one time in high school might and I hope be a choice. If we have high school listeners listening, they can point that out. I think that's really the hard part. Is that you cannot convince a, a, a teenager that one time is going to lead to a lifetime of if you if we could figure out a way to do that because you're I, I feel we the same way addiction I feel the same way if I had known by taking an extra pain pill I was going to end up with six felony counts I would have never taken a pain pill yeah absolutely I'd not. have missed it right. that's not what I was trying to do I had a bad headache I was and, just trying to get rid of it and by the time your logical decision making had been reversed and your your midbrain had overpowered it it's no longer a decision right it's survival absolutely yeah we could go on for a long time this is a good topic yeah I love it, man. I want to tell you this, what I know about addiction is, or a stigma is, uh, there's a lifetime of stuff that you have to pay for mm -hmm. with one felony, with one stint in any sort of, there's a lifetime of criminal stuff that you have to pay for because you had a disease and that is not fair. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way in our society today. Absolutely. And my takeaway from this is listen, everybody. Let's get out of the 1980s and the 1990s or the 1800s and the 1900s. And let's just be able to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when I'm with my, my buddies and we're talking about treatment, we're talking about clients and we're talking about, we do it right. at dinner. When we go to dinner with right. our wives, other people, I see other people look over and they're like, Oh, these guys are talking about it. Right. Morphine. But we should be able to do that. We should be able to have the conversations. We right. should be able to talk about it without there being such a, a heavy attachment to it. I think you know? maybe the purpose of the podcast. A absolutely. And you know what? The end result is getting people help. The more we talk about it, the more we can get people in help. Hey, thanks guys. Love you guys so much. Please share this with your friends. Share this with your coworkers. Help us grow this thing. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.